everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, and along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, also, by the way, professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our conversation on the topic of privacy or personalization. It depends. You know, what does a consumer want? Well, it gets complicated. In fact, they want both. They want both. Of course they want, and in fact, they're demanding today to be personally engaged by retailers and brands who have, by the way, tracked their shopping and consumption behavior, um, you know, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, and then and then the brands and retailers personalize their products and services and even their marketing. On the other hand, you go to the consumer and you're going to get mixed answers uh, by asking them if they are willing to give up their privacy to get such personalized products and services. You know, if bluntly asked to opt in or opt out with, by the way, no ability for the consumer uh, to weigh in regarding what they would allow in or not. And Shelly, I know we have some stats on that. But on the other side, of course, are the brands and retailers who are trying to personalize their offerings and the marketing with good intent, I might add, and who are paying for advertising to get to those targeted consumers. All of a sudden, if the opt-outs uh, are bigger than the opt-ins, the value of the ads and marketing drops, right? That's right. And, and it drops, therefore, in sales uh, quickly afterwards. So with too many opt-outs, at the end of the day, Shelley, consumers don't get personalization, and brands and retailers lose the use of tons of data, right, and the advertising and marketing channels to reach them. So this kind of two-sided dilemma is actually intensifying. And I think it's going to get worse with all of the changes and, and updates uh, to the devices out there with the iOS systems. So, Shelly, you know, kind of break this down a little more for us, okay, in more detail, and what it means for the brands and retailers, and of course, most importantly, the consumers. Yeah, well, sure, Robin. Well, let me start uh, from the beginning. So, although 75% of app users, are aware of these changes that were recently made by the Apple iOS. They're not really aware, I don't feel, of the impact from a consumer perspective. And users may not be aware of what is in the pipeline come fall. So back in April, Apple, who operates on the iOS um, software, put in an update, 14.5, which affects iPhones and iPads. And it includes a new privacy tool called App Tracker Transparency, ATT, because we don't have enough acronyms in our uh, industry. Yeah, but right. <laughs> the uh, App Tracker Transparency, it allows users to opt in or out of app tracking outside the current app that they're using. So this theoretically gives more control over the users as to which apps have access to their tracking behavior and how much data is shared. But let me just break it down in more simple terms. There's, 
you know, kind of three levels of data collected. There's first party data. data. That data is collected by the retailer. So you take Ulta Beauty, collects data when users are in Ulta's app, right? So then we have second party data. Second party data is very similar to first party data, except it's someone else's first party data. So for example, if you look at Estee Lauder, Estee Lauder might be given data from Ulta Beauty on shopping behavior on Estee Lauder products within the Ulta app. And then of course we have the third party data, which is collected from a variety of web, websites, platforms, apps, all that's aggregated by a third party and then sold as a package. Okay, so a Unbelievable. <laughs> Shelly, this is unbelievable. I mean, how can anybody keep track of all this? But yeah, I get it, I get it, go on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, a retailer, when may ask users if they can share their information with brand partners. So for example, Ulta saying, do you mind if we share your data with our partners? A partner would be Estee Lauder as an example, um, who by the way is celebrating, celebrating 75 years this year, which is really cool. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, there are also some retailers ask if they can share the user data also with third parties as well. So there's, you know, kind of a twofold thing. Can we can we track your data in our app? Can we share it with the partners and can we share it with everybody else, right? So if an app wants to track and share data with third parties like advertisers and the user says no, in other words, I don't want my information to be shared, you can imagine what's happening in the online advertising business if much of the data can't be shared with them. And if there's more limitations on the amount of websites and platforms that they're aggregating data from. So this can be very challenging for businesses that rely on this type of information to target specific customers for brand awareness and acquisition. So I think primarily, if you think about all the small businesses that use Facebook or Instagram as a main source of advertising, if users start opting out of sharing data of where they spend time on their devices, these small business aren't going to be able to personalize the message and right. sometimes may not even be able to reach the right target audience for them. And let me just throw this in, in as well. Think about the digital native brands that solely rely on Facebook and Instagram and other social media to drive awareness and acquisition to their brands. They're going to have to completely reinvent their marketing strategies. Yeah, that's incredible, Shelley. I mean, it's it really is. And I think we're just on the leading edge of, of all of this stuff coming out and all the issues associated with it. So, you know, it's and it's an interesting point about the digital native brands who um, seem to, to have the most agile business models, right? And right. they can quickly adapt to most of the changes in, in business and the conditions without uh, the burden of a big, you know, fleet of stores. In this case, however, the digital companies seem to be at more of a disadvantage uh, than the legacy retailers. You know, at least for the companies with brick and mortar stores, um, they do have data from the in-store shopping experience that they can use and merge, by the way, uh, this information with the online data uh, from the e-commerce and mobile apps giving them at least a better view of the customer. The digital brands or companies that rely heavily on social media, as you just pointed out, 
you know, to drive awareness and acquisition, they may have to start going backwards in time to like the old email marketing campaigns. That's a right. place where, by the way, the legacy brands know well, and they have been operating in for a long time. Also, Shelly, the giant uh, Titan brands um, have an easier time with these new privacy features as they have built an entire ecosystem of years of shared data with each other, you know, on customers, including their own stores, online and strategic partners, including vendors. Um, you know, think about it. Amazon, Walmart, Target, and other giants all have a mountain of first and second party data that they can use to inform uh, their marketing and merchandising decisions. And the other point we should mention about the new privacy features is the timing of it. Coming off the right. pandemic, you know, stay, stay and work at home, coming off of that year where retailers were able to get so much rich data about consumer shopping behavior, you know, remember, Shelley, last year, the massive shift to digital was absolutely amazing across the industry. Customers, you know, practically overnight last March shifted from buying in-store to buying online. So by the end of the year, many retailers had a plethora of data from the online shopping, uh, helping them to better understand purchasing habits and also to inform future product assortments and understanding user habits uh, across many different apps on the mobile device. So <laughs> we go from tons of data at the retailer's fingertips to cutting off a significant amount of data with these new privacy features. You know, Apple is the first and in the US market, uh, this is significant. But I have to believe Android, Google are right behind them developing similar features, privacy features. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, uh, Robin, as well. Um, and let's talk for a second about the consumers or the users of shopping apps, apps specifically. So 44% of smartphone users use a shopping app on a regular basis. So that's a pretty high percent. So people are using their phones to shop you know, online. I think this is only going to grow with the increase in mobile and social commerce. But Robin, do you think that consumers really understand the consequence of what happens when they opt out of tracking and sharing information? Well, you know, I, I think metaphorically, I think if you ask consumers, if they want to be tracked and have their data shared, you know, with third parties, especially advertisers, I, I, they would say no way. They, they don't want to be tracked. But Shelley, I also saw a recent, recent statistic from Statista, or is that Stasti? I can't, can I get that right? Maybe it's Statista, whatever. Anyway, they're a good source of information. They showed in 2021 that 65% of respondents would want to be tracked across apps if that meant that ads would be more personalized. Um, and the other 35% were fine with seeing generic ads and not having uh, their usage tracked, okay? So generally, as I said up front, 
of course, consumers want personalized service. They want relevant offers and they want retailers, you know, to know who they are, what their tastes are, lifestyles, and what they want, do not want on and on and on. Consumers expect them to know how frequently to reach out, which type of content products to show them. And all of this can be done within a retailer's own app. But when the customer's data includes what they're looking at and engaged in across many different apps, it really has the potential to elevate the personalized shopping journey. And consumers today understand the process. So um, why is the iOS update causing such a problem? Yeah, well, Robin, I, I also saw that statistic. Um, and it sounds like this new transparency and privacy across apps would be an easy decision for most users if they want to get that personalized journey. But as you know, Robin, what the consumer says and what they do are oftentimes very different. And yep. here's the problem. Yeah. Uh, of, of the users that have updated to the new software, the 14.5 that has the you know, option for opting out of tracking, only 17% have agreed to be tracked. So let me put that a different way. 83% of the users have opted out. They said no tracking. Wow. So yeah, how, do, how does Statista get it differently than what you've got here? This is incredible. Well, I think it, well, I think again, what I think what happens is, um, you know, a survey based on what customers are going to do so what they think they want to do, they think they want, they don't mind sharing data, but when yeah, it comes yeah. down to it and they get the pop-up screen on their phone, they are saying, oh, no, I don't want my data tracked. So it's this thing of what they say they're going to do and what they actually do are very different. And you can Got see it. the dilemma. You know, privacy concerns from a consumer perspective, um, they, they want privacy, but they want personalization. You know, back in February of this year, 52% of respondents in another survey, a national survey, said they were more concerned with data privacy than last year, and 39% were equally concerned. So essentially, only 9% of the people in that survey are less concerned about data privacy. So, you know, data privacy continues to weigh on the mind of the consumer. Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, and you know, retailers and brands have really kind of been in a quest over the past few months to strategize how to offset these new changes. And I know, you know, we can talk about some of the solutions in a second, but you know, Shelly, this issue has really not yet, it's just beginning. It has not been widely reported in terms of the impact on consumers and the industry. Yeah, there, you know, there've been some articles, um, but, but, here is the real crux of the problem that will hit the industry like a landslide. Wall Street Journal reported that only 42% of the Apple iOS users had actually updated to the new software. Wow, that's low. Yeah. So, so what we are seeing today will become much more prevalent as more users update their software. And to worsen this blow, the percent of users opting out of being tracked will increase during the busiest time for the industry holiday, 2021. 
Wow. So if, 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 yeah. I mean, so if the current trend of 83% of users opting out continues, this could be a huge, enormous problem, you know, which is why companies need a plan now immediately. So I don't know. An obvious one for me would be is, you know, these companies ought to shift their advertising dollars away from iOS and move to Android Google which has more lenience, by the way, on data privacy. Yeah, I mean, actually, Robin, some companies are doing just that. They're moving advertising over to Google's operating system, which is Android, um, which from a global perspective makes sense, at least short term, until Google's Android follows Apple's iOS route and adds more of the privacy restrictions and features. You know, 73% of the global mobile market uses Android. 73% of the global mobile device market uses Android. 26% uses Apple iOS. However, here's a problem. In the US market, 58% of smartphone operating systems are Apple and 42% are Android. So that's a big variance, right? So moving over to Android, would not make sense in the U.S. market. And like I said, it's it's a short-term fix because I'm sure Google is well down the road of developing similar features. Not that I have yeah. any insider information, but it would make sense that they're going to kind of follow the suit there. Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and the battle will continue. But but so, Shelley, I, I guess I would say that uh, the next obvious one, and maybe this should really be the first one, which is for retailers, to better use the first party data that they already have, right? I know it sounds so obvious, but there's so many companies out there that have lots and lots of data, but they're just not getting the robust analytics across all platforms, including vendor partners um, to really share data. We talked about this briefly at our last podcast, what happened to the store uh, when we discussed this rise in data sharing amongst vendors and retailers, you know, Digital brands can certainly reallocate some of its marketing budget uh, to focus on brand partnerships or even second party data from complementary brands and other strategic marketing areas like SMS texting or email marketing campaigns, even YouTube. I mean, I expect YouTube is going to grow tremendously, um, especially as Gen Z acquires more and more of that purchasing power. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, the other key for retailers and brands is about data transparency, okay? I think companies need to uh, do a better job of making sure they are clearly setting the consumer's expectations and being transparent about how the data is being collected and what the data is going to be used for. Essentially, they need to educate the users that retailers tracking their shopping behavior is a good thing. Ideally, demonstrating that um, collected data can significantly improve their personal shopper journey. And it also can, you know, tell those companies about what product development products they should develop. It will help reduce uh, various pain points that uh, customers encounter. I mean, sharing data across the industry Ultimately, at the end of the day, it leads to a, you know, richer, deeper connection with the customer. You know, and earlier in the podcast, 
you mentioned uh, that there are more privacy features coming down the pike. You, you want to enlighten us on that? Well, Apple, a couple months ago, they released their iOS 15. So we were talking about 14.5, now 15, uh, which is going to come you know out. What, uh, Shelley, Shelley, you get into language that I don't even understand. But <laughs> go on, maybe the audience does. Well, the next upgrade, to simplify, the next upgrade it, on the uh, Apple iOS devices, so the iPhones and the iPads, is something called mail privacy protection. So this allows the ability for users to block from marketers tracking their opening behavior of email. So marketers will no longer know who opened the email, the click-through rate, et cetera. So it means really shutting off the ability of marketers to see if and when emails being opened. And Apple's, this is through uh, Apple's mail app. Um, it's also going to hide the IP address information to prevent tracking web usage on Safari browser. So the big difference between the one that was recently the um, app track tracking transparency that was just rolled out and mail privacy protection is that the mail privacy protection is not free. People are going to have to pay for it or it's going to be part of a package for the premium iCloud subscription. So you know, the marketing area for retail and really other sectors of the industry will need to reinvent the ongoing strategies with all these new features. KPIs will change in terms of email marketing campaigns. Messages may become less relevant. If you don't know what's being opened and who's reading it, how can you tweak the messaging? And there needs to be a refined cadence of communications. You know, you send too many emails to a customer and they're just going to stop they're going to opt out of all of your future messages. You send too few to the user and they're going to spend less money because there's not enough marketing offers uh, sent to them. So, you know, Apple's trying to position itself as a quote unquote privacy leader, a pioneer in the space of consumer data protection advocacy. <laughs> well, Shelly, that sounds like a whole other podcast, but you know, this is why CEOs out there who like me don't understand a lot of these acronyms. <laughs> That's why they hire people who do understand it. Anyway, it, it does get fairly complicated. So, yeah, speaking of Apple, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, is kind of the poster child of data protection and privacy, really. It, it, it's interesting as Apple kind of continues to build a wall of sustainable competitive advantages, advantages in, quote, unquote, Apple world, and a big brouhaha is beginning to surface between Apple and Facebook, and which also, in some way, begins to reach back to the Congress of the United States, who have failed so far to move towards regulating social media. I think a part of that is that, they, you know, they get a Zuckerberg in there, and or Tim Cook, um, the U.S. Congress knows less than either one of those guys about what's going on. I don't even think they know how they would begin to regulate uh, social media. But anyway, that's also another subject. Anyway, the brouhaha, the, the, the Wall Street Journal in January quoted Mark Zuckerberg, of course, the CEO of Facebook, as saying Apple had every incentive to use their dominant platform position to interfere with how our apps and other apps work. I guess he doesn't like that. Anyway, 
And so anyway, I think the opt-in or out and privacy issues are just beginning, Shelley. And once again, the impact on consumers must become the strategic priority for all marketers, retailers, and brands. And as I said earlier, and we'll, we'll close with, those 83% of users who choose to opt out must be educated in a very persuasive way that they can be trusted to do nothing other with all of that personal data they gain, nothing other than to personalize their marketing, their products, their services, so that they can exceed each and every consumer's expectations. That should be the goals. You know, at the end of the day, as always, consumers have all the power. And yes, at the end of the day, they will decide how this issue plays out. Well, retailers are really sitting on a gold mine of first party data. They should really use it. Um, for our listeners today, you can find more of our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and the RobinReport.com. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I want to thank the audience very much for joining us today. Um, we look forward to you joining us every week, if you can. And uh, I've also invited anybody who has a topic that they've been thinking about for a while that uh, you would like us to cover in one of our podcasts, please email me at robin at the robinreport.com. Thanks once again. Thank you.